where you and I can connect. It's a show that embraces a 360-degree look at womanhood. It's our voice, our perspective. It's what we care about, and it's how we feel. Empowerment through conversation is what it is. This is Full Circle. Welcome to another edition of Full Circle. I am your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation before the show even started. Because this is, uh, you know, you know, I always say fam leg. This is one of my favorite people. But truly, I truly love the guests that come on this show. And especially those that are friends to the show that come back whenever they have big things coming up that they want to share with you, the fam. So I'm so excited for uh, to have Tiffany Sharp here today. Tiffany is just an amazing person and uh, she's just, uh, we're going to have a great conversation today. So let me give you a little background on Tiffany and then we're going to hop right into the show. So Tiffany Sharp is the CEO and founder of Woke Canna. You better remember that name because you're, you're going to see it around a lot. Woke Canna provides business equity opportunities to women of color from communities adversely affected by the criminalization of cannabis. She is a licensed attorney with a specialization in international law and has spent almost 20 years advocating for the legal, social, and economic rights of the underrepresented. Tiffany is doing big things. She has a uh, she possesses a degree in business administration and is currently pursuing her legal certificate in cannabis law. Uh, she has also been an herbalist for over 20 years. She utilizes cannabis for therapeutic healing and in and is an indoor grower of cannabis and She's got a workshop coming up that if you are interested in doing some of your own home growing, we're going to hear about how you can participate and get more information in that uh, in that space so that you can, you know, start to grow your own and use it for medicinally, recreational, whatever you want to do, fam. It's all up to you. It's all good. If you want to grow, <laughs> we got we got the stuff for you right here. <laughs> so <laughs> without further ado, uh, one of my favorite guests. Welcome back to the show, Tiffany Sharp. Good Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me back. It is um, just amazing to be back and it's so good to see you with with everything that's going on. It's been a minute since we've seen each other just socially. So it has. <laughs> I'm happy to take this opportunity just to say hi. Yes, I am so happy that you're here. I was happy to your see presence. your smiling face this morning. <laughs> you are a woman of many talents, but let's just introduce the family uh, to you in case there's anyone out there who I don't know why that they wouldn't know who you are, but let's introduce the family to who is Tiffany Sharp. Oh my goodness. I'm still trying to, I'm, I'll be 46 this year and I'm still trying uh-huh. to figure that out, uh-huh. but I'm just doing, I'm just doing the stuff that I love to do, which is uh, most of the time helping people uh, that's most of the stuff I love to do and, and spending time with my daughter and um, just c- creating and trying to live in beautiful spaces. Yeah, um, that's that's a very general, general, general answer. But um, yeah, I am a licensed attorney. I have a specialization in international law, which is where I've been in the field for the past 20 years and, and love it. Um, and I think we'll talk about that briefly. But mm-hmm. um, more recently, I've gotten into the cannabis space. Um 
which is actually really kind of ironic because I grew up in a family. My parents are uh, Southern black educated folks who met at Tuskegee, mm-hmm. sort of what I like to refer to them as bougie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how they take me saying that, but <laughs> but they are. Um, and a family where like we quote unquote just didn't do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what we do is what I was told growing up. And so um, I grew up in a in a in a space. I mean, I I I broke up with boyfriends who consumed marijuana. Mm-hmm. I would I was really adamantly against it. I was a staunch anti marijuana yeah. um, person up until. Um, uh, you know, I sort of le- loosened up a little bit. I had partners that grew and friends that grew and I would help them like trim and things because I love plant life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't, I, I think before 2016, I myself only consumed it like half a handful of times and I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then jumped to 2016, my mother who is um, in her seventies had um, spinal surgery, which was very frightening. It was the first time ever that, you know, either one of my parents had been hospitalized. Mm-hmm. Um, for, to my recollection in my adult in my adult life um, and so she had spinal surgery and we have a history of addiction on her side of the family not with her herself mm-hmm. but you know her parents and uncles and so all growing up which is sort of the reason why I came from this culture of we don't do that yeah. sort of thing yeah and um, but when she had the spinal surgery I mean I never saw my parents drink growing up never mm-hmm. did it was mm-hmm. weird when I moved out of the house and saw beer in the fridge. I just assumed it was a brother's Uh Um, because we just never, they never, they never did that sort of thing. Right. And so when she had surgery in 2016 and was prescribed narcotics for the pain, um, she was reluctant to take them because of that history of addiction. And um, which is also sort of my reluctance because I too sort of feel that, you know, pull toward, I would be a great addict. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love it. So uh, she didn't want to take it. She was taking sort of half doses and mm-hmm. and not really, you know, really reluctant. And so it was at that time that I um, was really concerned. She was in a lot of pain. She's in her 70s, mm-hmm. could barely move and function. And, you know, to see your parents in pain is right. just the kind of, you know, it's like seeing a child in pain. It's like it's just it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It just literally rips your heart out. And so I actually went um, at the time, at that time in 2016, it wasn't recreationally legal, but you could get a prescription for it. And so I actually went to a uh, get a medical prescription for it. Mm-hmm. And I was really, I think we were both surprised when my doctor, the doctor that I went to, it was one of the, um, you know, one of these places where you can go get the medical yeah. prescription. I think it was uh-huh. 420 uh-huh. or something. And um, he was black, uh-huh. older gentleman who was okay. black, kind of on his edge of retirement okay. and just wanted to um, do something. And, and we were both pleasantly surprised to see one another uh-huh. uh, in in this in this space, which the, un, the regulated market of cannabis is really particularly at that time it's expensive and it was predominantly a white industry yeah so we were very thankful to to be in each other's company and um to get the prescription i sort of kind of he was asking me and it was a very care you know very he's a doctor uh-huh. you know and doctors are part therapists and he was asking me what's going on in my life yeah and um you know at the time i'd had insomnia for 20 years mm-hmm. uh, i've always had anxiety since law school i'm mm-hmm. sort of that type a overachiever and i have my own host of issues like we all do and was talking to him about that and so he was prescribing stuff you know he he gave me the prescription 
and actually went above and beyond and and was recommending different strains and mm-hmm. educating me oh, wow. um, as to like what would be good for my sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I kind of walked out like, oh, I felt kind of bad because I'm like, it's not really for me. Right, but, right. <laughs> you know, um, and so I went to the dispensary, got a whole host of items for my mother, brownies, cookies, mm-hmm. You, you know, um, gummies, edibles, um, got some flour, make teas, because I have been doing herbalism for 20 years. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd make her a tea, to, you know, trying to figure out ways that for her to consume it. Sure. And um, took it to her and she refused to, to con- mm. she refused to take it. She refused to take it. So I took it back and then um, jumped to the night of the 2016 election. Oh, um, and <laughs> we were all... <laughs> We were all there, mm. and that was the first time I had a pot brownie. I was like, I need something, because yeah. this is not, yeah. this is just, you know, it felt like the like we just dropped into a different dimension. Mm-hmm. It was just like, what's going on? Right. So I had a, I, I, I had, I, I, I had half, I had about half or three-fourths of a pot brownie, and, which is way too much. Mm-hmm. Way too much. Um, anyway, that's a whole different story. But um, once I figured out the dosage and yeah. things like that, I started mm-hmm. really. Um, I'll tell you what. I, I had too much, but it was the best night's sleep. I bet <laughs> I had gotten <laughs> in twenty years, and so it was from there that I really started to reevaluate my own um, biases toward the plant, yeah. and then like, how can we incorporate this into our black community Mm -hmm. and we'll talk a little bit about why I think that's so important particularly considering the history of marijuana prohibition you know how can we how can we use this natural herbal plant for our own healing considering it's been the source and excuse for so much persecution right um and sort of looking at it, researching it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, just if you, anybody's wondering about like whatever happened to my mother, well, I, apparently on Good Day on on Good Good Morning America, she uh-huh. she eventually um, they were talking about you know CBD and 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 touting its benefits. So it wasn't until she it became mainstream acceptable uh-huh. on Good Morning America that she dipped back in and said, Hey, yeah. Do, 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 do. So I got her some CBD products at first. And then, you know, she's, I'm pretty sure I get my anxiety from her. And mm-hmm. so I kept pushing her like, ah, oh, maybe they'll add a little THC to that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're in your 70s. What else do you have to do? Right, right. Um, so it was from that that she and I started making her teas. So she's, you know, come around to the idea, flash forward to like when I was traveling mm-hmm. quite a bit up until last year, she would come over and water my pop pot plants that's okay. where we that's how we progressed um so in she that came time. over to actually realizing that it was beneficial absolutely it, but you know and she had an understandable concern with yep. the whole family history of addiction that's real that's real you know? real so i'm yeah. glad that she was able to at her own time and process in her own way but be able to take that so that i'm sure that that helped her so much yes and and it's um and it's a fantastic example of the transition that I think our community can really start to, to yeah. go. and I think we are but you know there's still some of the older you know old school thoughts mm-hmm. maybe not just with the people in our in our our yeah. older generations but just that thought yeah. process of you know this isn't something that we do but hey listen it's it's recreationally legal people are making a lot of money on it yeah people that are not 
people that are making a lot of money on it that are not the people yeah. that laid the foundation for mm-hmm. decriminalization and, mm-hmm. and legalization, um, which is our, our black and, and just also an extent brown communities. Yeah. Um, so I think it's sort of our, we're owed the, we're owed yeah. this. I, I want to go back to the stigma just a moment because it's been criminalized for so long. And the other thing is that I, I walk with a couple of ladies every morning and I was telling them, you know, I was excited about the show coming up and everything. And one of the ladies was like, don't you think marijuana is a gateway Ooh, drug? Okay, Which yeah, people let's still talk about, oh, let's talk about that. it. <laughs> yes. People still say it's a gateway yeah. drug. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, it's not. If you have addiction, you know, I'm mean, just right. thinking about your family's history mm-hmm. and other people. If you have addiction, you have addiction. That marijuana is not going to do anything more or less to you. You know what I mean? Right. It might kind of help awaken it, but it's not a necessarily gateway drug. Correct. And I, I would even say that it um, and and we're just be- now that it's become people are becoming more um, amenable to understanding its benefits. Because, mm-hmm. listen, there's over one hundred and thirty five over one hundred and thirty five recognized cannabinoids in the cannabis plant. We oh, wow. really only talk about THC and CBD. Okay, so wow. we're we're talking about this plant. There are so many uses for it and they're starting to understand that it can actually help people get off of opiate addiction. Oh. So not only is it not a gateway drug, mm-hmm. it's actually helping people recover from addictions like um, opiates, painkillers, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Also, they're 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 starting to understand how it helps people with PTSD. Yeah. Um, I have a friend whose son uh, suffers from epile- severe epileptic seizures. Starting to understand how it helps with those. Mm-hmm. So um, we're starting to really not only understand like it's not a gateway drug, but let me tell you about how that history of okay. it's a gateway drug. Um, that's all propaganda. Mm-hmm. Let me just, that's all propaganda. Marijuana, and I like to call it marijuana uh, when I'm talking, you know, in these sorts of terms because, you know, now we call it cannabis. Uh-huh. Calling it cannabis is really a whitewashing of the history behind mm. marijuana prohibition. Okay. Um, marijuana was first introduced into the United States around the early 1900s, around 1910, um, after the, uh, you know, when, when, when immigrants from Mexico and, um, and uh, the islands started coming over mm-hmm. as immigrants, they brought the plant with them. And... Around 1920, the bourgeois government of the United States mm-hmm. started trying to find ways to associate the black and brownness of the plant's origins mm-hmm. of being brought to the United States um, to the plant. So they started to, to associate this mm-hmm. um, because after prohibition failed, after alcohol prohibition failed, they needed another. Um, sort of enemy, yeah, yeah, right. And so you can Google like uh, demon weed. There's a video, propaganda mm. video that's you know was put out during that time called Demon Weed, and like talking about where they started to um, associate marijuana. Use. That's why they call it marijuana, not cannabis. They really emphasize the Spanish-sounding name of the plant okay. to instill this fear that the plant is associated with um, 
you know, this this xenophobic and racist fear that this plan is associated with these black and brown people that were coming into the country. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Um, So, you know, and this is 100 years ago. So we have not, uh, anyway, I'll save that. That's a whole. That's a whole different. (laughs) But um, so so it became, you know, the, the... they started to emphasize, okay, like basically pushing false notions about marijuana. If you smoke marijuana, white women are gonna wanna have sex with black men. Mm. Oh no, right? Uh, If you smoke marijuana, it causes violent tendencies. If you smoke marijuana, it leads to all of these other, right? Like that's where the whole gateway drug thing came yeah, in, yeah. right? And so this sort of, I won't go through all of the history decade by decade, although, you know, I'm sure if you catch me um, outside of here, I'll, I'll share <laughs> it with you because I'd love to talk about this, but flash forward to, you know, even the policies of um, uh, the, the, you know, the, the war on drugs, mm-hmm. right? The high incarceration rates. If you think about it, many individuals, mostly black men who are incarcerated, were have been like, it started with simple possession, mm-hmm. right? Simple possession for personal use, simple possession or possession for, you know, selling to their friends, family, or community, what, what have you. Yeah. Um, and so this prohibition on marijuana, it's, literally based the whole reason it was initially prohibited was to in, to instill fear in the white community against black and brown people and and they used this plant as a, a vehicle to do so okay so when the controlled substances act which is um just to go back it's legal here in california mm-hmm. uh it's decriminalized or legal in over half the states now but it's still federally illegal right. and what that means is that it is on the Controlled Substances Act was um, implemented in the early 1970s mm-hmm. as a way to like say like you know which drugs are harmful, which drugs the federal yeah. government had legal control over. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you go by schedule. Schedule one is like the most harmful of drugs. Schedule two, schedule three, there's up to five schedules. It goes down where they're the low, the high, the you know schedule five is like you know not very harmful, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, So when they were trying to figure out where to put marijuana in the the early 70s, the Nixon administration, you know, was in control of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Nixon was a straight up racist. Mm -hmm. And he um, hired the Schaefer, uh, a man named Schaefer, uh, and the Schaefer Commission to, to study the effects of marijuana Right to see where they can put it on the schedule. Yeah. Schaefer and he appointed. This is a, a Nixon appointee. Mm-hmm. Schaefer comes back. He does this complete study and says it's not harmful. It's not addictive. Mm-hmm. It has medical benefits. Everything that Nixon did not want. Right. Right. And nevertheless, they put it as a schedule one as the most mm. dangerous. Now I think cocaine is a schedule two. What? Okay. So this kind of gives you some perspective. Right. So marijuana is a Schedule One, so it's and it's still a Schedule One, federally illegal as one of the most regulated drugs, quote unquote, that doesn't have you know one of the requirements to be on a Schedule One is it has no medical benefits and it's you know, so Schedule One to this day still a Schedule One. But here's the here's the thing with that it's on Schedule One, so you know up until deregulation and decriminalization, if you had even a small amount, yeah. right? 
Um, and if you think about it, who who's like who's sort of consuming this? Well, everybody, right. frankly, right. right? You talk about the 1960s, the 70s, the mm-hmm. whole cultural revolution, white mm-hmm. people started doing it. Yeah. But look at who's incarcerated, who's been incarcerated mm-hmm. for this. It's not, um, basically, I heard someone say, the people that are running the can- the legalized cannabis industry mm-hmm. are the same people who were never arrested right. mm-hmm. during the 80s and 90s. The same white people. Yeah. Okay. So everybody was doing it, but... Uh, mostly black men were 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 arrested mm-hmm. for it, right? You get arrested for it, you got a record. And what harshly happened? punished. Harshly too. punished, yeah. right? Then you got your three strikes law coming mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. So in the war on drugs, all of these are stacked, you know, yeah. stacked on top of it's a building block for a, of a, an oppression of black and then brown communities mm-hmm. based on this drug. Again, the whole reason is illegal was because prohibition failed, right? Mm, and they needed something, something else. And they said, okay, let's, let's, you know, they didn't like, they didn't like um, the fact that black and brown immigrants were mm-hmm. coming into this country. And if you think about it, like during, you know, during the time in the 30s when it was initial 1930s, um, when it was initially they started putting, it was first started, ended up as a tax and mm-hmm. then it became like you could get criminally penalized for a tax. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest problem wasn't marijuana consumption. It was alcoholism. It was alcohol consumption. And so even so when prohibition failed, they realized they couldn't control alcohol. They were like, OK, well, what else can we try to control? Mm-hmm. So um, that's why I think it's really important for people to understand the, the history of it. Yeah. Because now here we are in 2020, right? Right. About 100 years later, here in California, it's de- de- uh, decriminalized. Mm-hmm. It's legalized recreationally. Mm-hmm. And yet the communities that suffered from the prohibition are the last ones to receive the benefits of legalization. Okay, so that's why I think it's so important that we really, even if you don't consume it, that we start taking an active role in this industry. And we'll talk about like, okay, I don't want to touch the plant, as we call it. You Uh, know, there's there's businesses that you can do business opportunities that don't involve, quote unquote, touching the plant. mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important that we as a community really facilitate our economic activity in this industry Mm -hmm. because we're the ones that have been incarcerated. I mean, yeah. the number, you know, uh, I would say, and I, I don't, you know, don't, these aren't official numbers, but a vast majority of the black men that are incarcerated or that have been incarcerated since this quote unquote war on drugs or things for like simple, that started with like a simple possession or very minor charges that today are not, yeah, not illegal. And then, like, they couldn't get jobs after that. Mm-hmm. They lost their kids. They couldn't get, you know, like, have this criminal record. And then one thing leads to another. So it 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 uh, sort of is the seed that has has put many black men in jail yeah. and prison to this day. Still, right? Yeah. There are still men and women sitting in jail and prison today for like c- conduct and activity that is now legal. So that's why I think it's really important that we get into this industry. Yeah. Even if you have your own personal, but even if you hate the plan itself. Right. This is really like, it's not even a reparations mm-hmm. thing. It's a, um, 
Yeah, let's call it reparations, you know? I mean, uh, it, but I feel like it goes beyond that because yeah. this is, legalization is the the fruit and labor uh, basically off the backs of, of primarily the black community. Right, yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I love your passion for this. When we come back, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I wanna dig more into it. I wanna talk about, um, you know, kind of start to look at, uh, the, the industry and how we as black people, because like you said, we can we need to get involved, whether you are touching the plant, like you said, or whether there are other opportunities. And let's let the, the family know what those opportunities yeah. are so that people can start thinking about it so we can get into the industry and start to advocate for those people, even those people that are still in, in prison on things now marijuana is now legal why are they still there yeah. and those injustices that we're still facing uh this is full circle uh we will be right back i'm your host miss wanda having a conversation with my guest tiffany sharp and uh, we'll be right back after this make sure you stay here family if you have something to add to the conversation drop us a line at full circle 975 at gmail.com empowering women through conversation this is what she does. She is Miss Wanda, and this is Full Circle. We are back. Thank you so much for staying with the program. Man, I'm telling you, I love talking to Tiffany. I could just talk to Tiffany all day. If you're just joining us, this is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a conversation with Tiffany Sharp, founder, CEO and founder of Woke Canna. Woke stands for women of color. So it's W-O-C, Woke Canna educating and bringing opportunities to um, and helping women of color, black women, find opportunities to get into the cannabis industry, which is expected to be a $30 billion industry by 2025. Doesn't make sense, family, that we aren't in the mix as well. So I am talking to Tiffany and you know how it happens. People always call it the commercial break. They don't call during the show. They call it the commercial break. So anyway, I just have to tease. This is uh, Sean Brown on the line. Sean, you still there? Oh, yeah. Girl, th this is my favorite day So ever. hold on a second. So oh. Sean Brown, my, my guest co-host once a month on Full Circle Meets Lessons from the Journey. And uh, Sean had to call in because she was so juiced about us, the way we sparked a conversation. We talked about that yesterday. I was going to use some little <laughs> metaphors. We, the way we're sparking the conversation about uh, marijuana. <laughs> right? Right? So, Sean, you, um, you wanted to share. Share. Go ahead and share. You know, um, it's funny that we, your journey started in 2016 because everybody knows I love Jesus. So let me just out the gate start there. Um, in 2016, I was had been very ill. I um, had already beat cancer and was in the battle of coming out of what the chemotherapy had done. I had had three brain surgeries, had to learn how to walk and talk had neuropathy, had lost my sense of taste and smell, and now in 2016, we're starting to battle heart issue. In and out of the hospital, my stomach, I mean, I couldn't hold food down. I, it was just, I was a mess. And I could hear God say to me, marijuana, but I was so petrified. I was like, nope, 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 marijuana's bad. You know, I did drugs. I did a lot of drugs as a kid, young. And, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I enjoyed marijuana. So I wasn't one to use it and didn't. I enjoyed it back then. But when I came to Christ, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. So this can't be God. But I got sicker and sicker. It was like I was dying. And finally, I just said, I'm, I'm going to give in. 
I went and I found, I got a medical uh, card or whatever, mm-hmm. went to the dispensary and started using it. Let me just, let me give you my testimony. With marijuana in 10 months, I lost 53 pounds without changing anything. I went from taking, at that time, I probably was down to about 15 pills a day to zero. I had had a low white blood cell count for 15 years. My oncologist got my numbers after the 10 months and started to cry. She said, we thought you were like impossible. She said, but your numbers down the middle are perfect. That's my testimony. I will, I will talk about marijuana till I die. You, you can't drag me. I use it every day. I wake and bake. I know how to use it. It is a part of my life. They said I'd have neuropathy. I couldn't even wear shoes. Yeah, wow. it definitely has some healing powers to it. So you, it, so I just want to touch real quick before I let you go is that struggle because Tiffany in, in, talked about it with her mom. I don't know if it was necessarily a religious perspective that your mom was taking, but that struggle of we don't do yeah. that. It was cultural. It, it was, was, yeah, it yeah. was the cultural, you know, um, and I teased about them being sort of bougie because it was like, you know, my parents met at Tuskegee, they marched with Dr. King, Uh they had, you know, they're both highly educated. And it was this, like, we didn't come this far to to be doing drugs. Right, right. We don't do that, and neither do you. Right, so Sean, I want to ask you, did you, I know you were like, no, 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 but what was that thing, I know part of it was health, your health, finally, you were just finally like, okay, I'm getting sicker. But did you still have that residual kind of guilt with it's shame it was more shame okay you know it was more like okay, i gotta hide this or i gotta hide behind cancer i gotta hide behind, but no i don't gotta hide no more do i have to hide that i use oregano and then when i saw it in the bible i literally saw that he created every seed bearing plant and said it was good for food that's in genesis chapter one that's creation so then I was like, oh, no, so this is a trick of the enemy trying yeah. to take something away from us. I, I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, but it took time to process all yeah. of that and learn all of that to be okay. okay. So, yeah, I am. I'm thrilled at what you're doing, and I would love to have more conversation with you. So, Wanda, can you? Give her my number, please, and let me get off will, your phone and will, off your show. I will definitely connect you with Tiffany. You. Um, but, yeah, thank you for sharing. Not off, your sh- off my show. It's the people's show. But <laughs> thank you for sharing because, we, you know, we had this conversation. Was it yesterday? We were talking about a uh, little bit about the show. And, again, I was so excited. But thank you for sharing because I think that you give a perspective, especially – how people see you in the community and hearing your story again everyone has to make the decision for themselves but just hearing people and I, I and I shared with you yesterday I think I grew up so legalistically that I was like no for this no for that mm-hmm. and not having enough of an open mind mm-hmm. to really consider what you know what's happening and all that kind of stuff so thank you for sharing um of course i'll be talking to you this week because that's Absolutely. just how we do can i <laughs> can i just drop can i pollinate before i leave i think we have a, a, a conversation about a show called spark it where we get to have these kind of conversations <laughs> so i'm gonna pollinate y'all with that yeah. and i'll talk to you later all right love you man i'll talk love to you, you later bye, bye. <laughs>
So that's my my once a month co-host, Sean. She actually lives in Southern California and she comes up and does the show. So, yeah, I'm sure that that will we will be having some more conversation about that. But that also kind of ushers in, you know, that you started off as an immigration attorney. And that was your practice for many years. Now you're transitioning into yeah. marijuana. Well, I still do immigration. Oh, okay. The fact is, is, I love it. Okay. I love it. I love my clients. If I never had to work again, uh-huh. um, I would be doing the same thing probably more. Okay. Um, because just legalistically in, in all the fields. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy, you know, I started practicing shortly after September 11th. That's how old I am. I'll be 46 this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looking good, looking good, girl. Listen, shoot, it's not marijuana, but anyway, no. But for real, I actually, um, I have a skin, I have a skincare line coming out. So I make my own pro- my facial products, my own body care products, and a few of them I started putting uh, infu- marijuana infused coconut oil in and oh. using on my face and stuff. What? Anyway, that's a whole different story, but I'm very happy with the results. But um, Anyway, uh, going back. So, yeah, I've been practicing law in, in the space of representing um, non-U.S. citizens since after September 11th, mm-hmm. where I used to line up black and brown men for what was called then called special registration, where black and brown men from certain countries had to go and check in with then INS to make sure they weren't quote-unquote terrorists. Mm. Um, so I really enjoy representing the underrepresented community and mm-hmm. I because I have a specialization in international law I've done a lot of international travel a lot of international work mm-hmm. I like the international perspective um, and I think that it makes our culture and community and country that much more richer yeah so um, and I enjoy it I really do and I'm really really good at it so I will always do that because I'm good at it mm-hmm. but it's sort of part and parcel because um, I, I, getting into the cannabis, you know, what, what that field of law allowed me to do was um, start my own practice in 2004 after mm-hmm. I got fired from five different legal jobs for insubordination. Oh, wow. I started my own law practice because I had to, because mm-hmm. um, I couldn't work for anybody else. But be, becoming an entrepreneur, a black woman entrepreneur, mm-hmm. um, helped me understand how much more flexibility that gave me as Mm -hmm. far as defining and determining what direction my life would go into. Mm -hmm. And that led me to starting, you know, a NGO, nonprofit, working with underrepresented women to help them get into entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. um, starting with, you know, with projects in Kenya, with HIV positive mothers in Peru with domestic violence survivors. Nepal with human sex trafficking survivors, and then here in Sacramento with women of color entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And it's actually through that program. So here's the transition, like immigration, you know, practicing international law mm-hmm. allowed me, and being really good at it, because I loved it, because mm-hmm. I loved it, right? Like it's a, probably one of the hardest fields, but I loved it. Yeah. So do what, you're, do what you love to do and you'll be good at it. So I was good at it, started my own practice, allowed me to be a black woman entrepreneur, mm-hmm. set my own terms, live my own life, you know, to d- d- determine who and what I got to do. So entrepreneurship allowed me to live a lifestyle that I otherwise couldn't. Um, not, yeah. not just economically, but yes. Yeah. But also with my values and my morals and my convictions and what I really believed in and was able to make a lifestyle out of that through, mm-hmm. through entrepreneurship. And that helped me really understand how, particularly as black women, how entrepreneurship can really set us free, mm-hmm. 
from a lot of the ties that bind us to um, certain levels of oppression in the mainstream workforce. Yeah. And it was through this Sacramento program helping to incubate women of color entrepreneurs that I started to see a lot of women of color trying to get into this now legal recreational mm. cannabis space. And they had questions not only about the business aspect of incubating this business, but also the legal aspects, mm-hmm. right? And like how um, how they could, you know, all of, all of the things that affected they're trying to start this business. Mm-hmm. And what struck me, although it shouldn't have, but what struck me and what I started to put these things together is that all of the women that, you know, when women start a business anyway, mm-hmm. we start businesses to generally help the community or be of some community value or service, right? right? And that's just across the board. And in fact, that's across the world. Mm-hmm. And when women make money, we put it right back into the community. Mm-hmm. We hire from within the community. We uh, make sure that our, most of the time the services or products are to benefit the health and well-being mm-hmm. of the community. And so what I started to see with these we, these you know amazing women that wanted to start businesses in some aspect of the now legalized cannabis industry is that these are community beneficial businesses. Mm-hmm. We're talking about therapeutic, you know, using marijuana therapeutically, health-wise, um, in all sorts of forms and fashions. And so that is literally what got me to start st- studying cannabis law and trying to find ways, because look at, you know, who was, who was generally left in the community when the black, you know, mostly black men got incarcerated? Right, it was the women. It was the women, yeah. right? The women were left to try to sustain the families, try to sustain the community, try to sustain the economics, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we're talking about now getting into this industry, um, and I'm always, and I tell people up front, I'm biased towards women. Mm -hmm. I think women women empowered economically will pretty much solve most of the problems of the world. That's just my bias, I'll tell Uh you straight up. Uh You can argue with me all day, you're not gonna change my mind. That's how I feel (laughs) about it. So. and so it became really important for me to, okay, look, women, you know, the businesses that they're trying to get into in this now legalized cannabis industry um, are within the roles that that women in the community have been playing, right, with the high incarceration rates of men. That's, that's stabilizing and building up economics within the community. Mm-hmm. And these businesses and services are to benefit the community using marijuana, in various aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's literally why I started getting into cannabis law was to find out how to be of service to women of color who want to get in this industry mm-hmm. in the business aspect. Mm-hmm. Because you're talking about an industry that needs much healing, yeah. a community that needs much healing. And what better healers than women? Than women, yeah, <clears throat> right? absolutely. So that's, that's how I made the tr- sort of transition. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I Like I said, I'll always do immigration it's just it's 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 easy for me yeah it's easy and I love it and I love the people I'm not I'm an introvert so for me to like like being around people is um is 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 always a miracle I love I love being around women I love being around black women I love being around you know people from different countries I just love this is this is where I'm happiest yeah And and it seems like the work is pretty almost parallel in that you're still serving an underserved community right. that's got a lot of things coming against them in you know in citizenship or in 
the marijuana right. industry. And ironically, I've started actually, you know, immigration wise and, and cannabis wise, like representing a lot of um, women from other countries, mm. from, you know, black and brown countries that are trying to get into the cannabis industry. So it's a very interesting sort of uh, link, you know, to it all. Um, so even if I wasn't like passionate about the consumption of it, and I don't think you have to consume it to be yeah. an advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important that again, when we start talking about, you know, women, uh, like, you know, how do we heal a community that's been so traumatized and, you know, virtually uh, tried to be, have been destroyed. Yeah. Um, I think it lies in the women. And like I said, every single women, woman of color mm-hmm. um, that I know, black women in particular, black women mostly, that yeah. want to get into this industry, it's how using it to overcome some community trauma. Yeah. Thus, Woke Canna was born. That's how Woke Canna was born. That's Tell us about, right. about Woke Canna. So Woke Canna I founded um, to, to do exactly that. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it... it, it it was born from the entrepreneurial incubator for women of color, and um, which wasn't just for women trying to get into the cannabis industry. It was just women incubating entrepreneurial yeah. businesses, mm-hmm. and um, and and looking at how the special needs of women trying to get into this now legalized cannabis industry, where it's still really convoluted, and it's like we're all flying, but nobody knows what's good. We're all, yeah. you know, everybody's trying to figure it out, even mm-hmm. on a statewide level. So. Um, once our, we had our, our, uh, the entrepreneurial incubator for women of color, it was called the power of she, we received a, a, a rails grant from the city of Sacramento. Once we finished the, you know, the terms of that, um, I personally like needed a break cause yeah. I've been doing it straight yeah, you were, for two You years. were going hard with that power I was going of hard. She. It was going, and I loved it. Yeah. But in the end I was tired. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm. And I started to like my mental health started to decline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I once that once we were done with that, um, I said, okay, what? Because I'm one of these. I can't just sit and do like retirement for me was starting another business. <laughs> so um, partial retire. I partially sort of retired from international travel in October, mm-hmm. and then like, oh, let me see, what, you know, what else I can do. So, um, but what Canada was that creation? It was like, look, there's all this there's all this business knowledge and business resources mm-hmm. and the power of advocacy for women and this understanding of like the racist history of, of cannabis. And I, we were talking at the break about how, when I first started getting into the industry, I would go to these events, you know, mm-hmm. these cannabis events, these networking events and how just, I can't curse on the radio, but like how bleeping racist. Yeah. And sexist the people were, and like I would be the only black woman, only black person, and this the whole questioning of my legitimacy, mm. even as like an attorney, mm. right? And you know, I would have white men tell me, "Oh, I sued somebody once, so I could do your job." Like that, just that that microaggression and macroaggression yeah. level of disrespect, and it's like, well, and and sort of the entitlement, yeah. I think is what got me the most is that straight up entitlement of these individuals in the industry. Like they didn't know how they got to sit around in their khaki shorts and collar shirts mm-hmm. talking about, oh, I'm going to dab that. Like talking about yeah. all of these sort of, you know, evolved ways of consumption and how, you know, how, um, you know, how, how the status of it. Yeah. Not yeah. understanding 
the history of it. Right. Um, and, and, that, and not caring about the history of it. And when I would educate them, it was like, oh, just another black person, like, yeah. try, you know, trying to spout off, you know, trying yeah. to be, be mad about something. Yeah. Angry black woman mad about something. Right. And so it was from that it was like, boy, there's a lot of work that needs to be done here. And like trying to get the white cannabis community to understand how important it is for us to be in this space, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is useless. They don't care and they don't want us there. Yeah. And so what's important is that, but this is our space. Yeah. We're like, and you wanna talk about entitlement, if anybody's entitled to be in this space, it's us. Right. There would be no this space without our people sitting in jail and prison mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's how that was born. Just it was born out of a need and it was born out of anger and a frustration mm-hmm. and a desire to see women come in and fix an industry that was never right. It's yeah. never been right. Yeah. So that's how Woke Canada was born. And you know, we talk and and it's like how do we as a community build ourselves up into this community? It's not about going and asking white folks for funding. Yeah. Right. Or trying to get it's about how do we as a community support ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. I have a lot of um, people that want to know how can I invest? Like, you know, we talk about how do you yeah. get into the industry? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to grow it. I don't want to smoke it. I don't even right. like it. But how do I get into it? You know, you can invest, invest. You know, a lot of people want to invest in a business. Yeah. Right. Talk about investing in real estate to help cultivate these businesses. Mm-hmm. There's ancillary businesses. The ancillary business market is huge. And what I mean by ancillary business, I'll give you for ex- for example. So if you if you have a business, you can find a way to service the cannabis community, legal cannabis community, without quote unquote touching the plant. Yeah. Because when you're talking about doing a business where you're touching the plant, meaning you come in contact with the plant, mm-hmm. it is incredibly highly regulated mm-hmm. in California and most other places. So California has a dual regulation system there's a Mm -hmm. statewide regulation system and there's a local regulation system and you have to go through both and it's expensive you need a lot of money and there's still most jurisdictions are still working out their equity like how do you you know their equity issues and so it's hard it's hard to get in it's 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 um and but there's you know there's there's uh, maybe we'll get a chance to talk about there's there's people in the industry right um but it's hard it's difficult it's expensive you have to have a lot of capital you have to jump through a lot of hoops Mm -hmm. um and you have to keep running through those hoops to stay to to, to stay within the regulations which you should as an attorney (laughs) say because we don't want that to be the right, next the disqualifier right, to then, get you out of there. Right. Well, or not even like even the next way that they put us in jail is, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. So, but however, you can do an ancillary business where you're being of service because when you have a new industry, there's the people working in the industry themselves, and then, then there's the businesses that need to service that industry. So, for example, like I'm an attorney, mm-hmm. I service like, you know, legal stuff for the cannabis community. I'm not touching the plant like yeah. in that aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, marketing. Yeah. Marketing is huge. Um marketing for the cannabis community. Accounting is huge, right? Yeah. Um and the tax laws that go around with if you're if you're a, an accountant, 
this is an amazing industry to get into. Mm, you bring up a really good point. That is, and I don't think people think about it in those terms of there are ways that you can participate yeah. without actually growing or selling and things like that. Or delivering think right. about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would say, like, you know, that's if you're if you're somebody that has a business now, like even look into that aspect of it because it is hard to go to sell it commercially. Yeah. Right. Regulated. Yeah. Um. Now, people are doing stuff, you know, in the unregulated market Mm -hmm. and people can do what people can do. And there's I can definitely see the reasons why people avoid the regulated market. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. But there's ways that you can get into it without even like security. Right. If you have a security company, you can provide um, security. So, you know, on site cannabis, they have to have a security plan in place. Mm -hmm. So if you're a security company that provides like store security, things like that. This is a great industry to get into, to be of service to those, you know, not just of color businesses, but anybody, you know, businesses, period. ATM businesses, right? Because it's still federally illegal, the banking, just trying to get banking and like money processing at these location sites Mm -hmm. is difficult. But if you put a ATM on location, if you have an ATM business or want to get into an ATM business, this is a great, so there's a lot of, these are called ancillary businesses. Uh These are businesses that don't actually come in contact with the plant, but are a service to the community, those those businesses that do. And this is a huge economic, huge economic um, entry for us. There's the economic, like, I don't, I don't have the numbers with me, but as big as the cannabis industry is, the ancillary business market is probably mm. about three times as much because those businesses need services too, right? You think about if you're in business, what other businesses do you need to keep your business running? That's so true. Like this is no where one the money thinks is at. about, you know, when people think about, they only think about the investment of having a dispensary, yeah. being a grower, things like that. And we don't think about those other things where if you want to make some money, if you want to be part of the industry, but not necessarily directly in the industry, those are some things you may want to think about. So if you're an accountant, if you're, you know, have security company, if you do marketing, if there are other ways that you can support a business without, you know, you're still in the industry in a sense, yeah. and you're still profiting from the ver- a very lucrative industry. Even paraphernalia, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, t- for example, like a t-shirt business. You got a screen printing business? Mm-hmm. You know, start doing shirts up for right. these businesses. Right. I'm talking every single aspect. That is so cool. You can get into, and this is where, I mean, we talk about the, you know, how to get into the regulated touching plant market too, mm-hmm. but... A lot of women of color entrepreneurs, because I started this from dealing with women of color entrepreneurs mm-hmm. just in general, yeah. you can take your business, and this is just for you know our community in general, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be woman, but janitorial, right? Like anything, start marketing yourself to yeah. the cannabis community, right? And this is helpful because here's what happens. For those that can get into the regulated market, those of us... Um, black folks that can get into the regulated market. Uh, we want to keep our money within the community. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to send a shout out to Crystal Nugs. Yes. They're awesome. Yes. Um, and uh, Maisha is amazing. They have a delivery company and they kind of got into it early on. Mm-hmm. So they're, so they're, and they're just amazing. And it's a, you know, black woman owned, and it's the only black woman owned delivery um, in Sacramento. There you go, fam. Okay. But, 
I know that they hire like their security company is black, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just very much like you want to keep it, keep that money in the community. Well, why not? Everyone else does. Everyone, Everyone else, all does. the other communities that's right. keep it within themselves. That's right. And this is how. That's right. They've been doing it for centuries, yes. generations. Right? This is how we build generational wealth and keep generational wealth within our community for our. You know, yeah. for ourselves and for our generations to come. Yeah. So this is how we do it. So, you know, if you don't want to take on the challenge of getting into the plant touching regulated market, mm-hmm. take your business. You want to make little like um, rolling trays. I've seen someone like they have these little cute rolling trays. I got all the fancy, you know, I got a little cute little grinder, my yeah. little cute pie. There's so many things that you can develop. So many things that you can develop. Yeah. You know, take whatever business you have, yeah, and ask me how do you how do I transfer this into the into the cannabis market, um, and 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 approach it. You know, to, to cannabis, how can I be of service? How can yeah. I profit from this marketplace? Yeah. And again, not just with not just with uh, other black businesses, but man, go out and get go and service the other folks right, too. Right, right. Get their money. They have it. Right. They have a bunch of it. Yeah. Right. So why not? Why not why jump not? on? And there are many ways. I love how Tiffany's just pointing out that there are many ways to get involved with the marijuana cannabis industry without actually touching the plant. As she said, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about how do those that are interested, that have the capital, that want to get in as a as a uh, business owner, how do they do that? And much more. Um, talking with Tiffany Sharp, CEO of Woke Canna. Keep it right here, family. This is Full Circle. We'll be right back after this. I don't know. For some reason, it's gotten extremely hot in this studio. I know. That's just shawl off and everything. <laughs> show your support for the show by liking and sharing our Facebook page at Full Circle. And we're back with Miss Wanda, life coach, motivational speaker, and friend of sisters everywhere. This is Full Circle. We are back. Thank you so much for staying with the program. This is Full Circle. I'm your host, Miss Wanda, having a wonderful conversation with my guest, Tiffany Sharp. She is an attorney and CEO and founder of Woke Canna. And fam, let me just tell you, it's Woke, W-O-C, Canna. So you can go ahead. Visit their website right now, wokana.com, right? Wokana.com, W-O-C-C-A-N-N-A.com and get some information there. Tiffany's got an event coming up for those of you that want to grow in your home. But before we go there, I just want to dig a little bit more into when we left for the break, I said, wanted to talk about people that are actually in the position to want to be as business owners in the cannabis industry, what advice would you give them as an attorney? So as far as the legalities of it, we were, we were talking about this on the break. It's it's a bit of a challenge because there's a dual licensing system in California, mm-hmm. which means that you have to get licensed at the state level and then you have to get licensed at the local level. So depending on where you're at, you know, state state level is 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 one thing, but depending on where you're at, different jurisdictions have different requirements as well, if they even allow it. So oh. some cities don't even allow it. So for example, like the city of Folsom does not allow um, commercial cannabis, okay? The city of uh, Rancho Cordova does. I didn't realize that yeah. cities had that authority. Yes, okay. yes. And so that's what I mean. The, the dual licensing, it's it's statewide and then it's local level wide. Mm-hmm. So that's like 
double the bureaucratic hoops that you have to jump through. Mm -hmm. So I usually don't give people like general advice because it depends, and I hate the, you know, sort of attorney, it depends. It depends on where you're at. It depends on what business you want to get into. Mm -hmm. So for example, Sacramento, if you're talking about a storefront dispensary, there's only a certain number of licenses that are permitted in, in that, and that's a whole different story about mm-hmm. who's been permitted and what they're doing to, to solve that. That's a, you know, we can talk all day about that, mm-hmm. but each local jurisdiction has different requirements. And so, you you know, generally speaking, it's it's a bit of a, it's it, it can be a bit of a challenge just getting through the bureaucracies of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this, and this is like with any startup business, mm-hmm. okay? And this is super important, particularly in this, now regulated cannabis space mm-hmm. because it is still highly regulated. In fact, the once marijuana became regulated, the unregulated market, which some people will call the black market, I yeah. don't. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I even heard somebody say, "Well, the black market versus the white market," and oh, I was like, "You know that uh-uh. got my that you know that got my my skin itchy." Um, anyway, so I digress, but let me. <laughs> Let me stay focused. The um, the uh, you need to. Well, anyway, the the unregulated market is is actually increased since regulation as well. Is that right? Yeah, because it is so difficult bureaucratically to mm-hmm. get into the legal market. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, if you're going to do it, you need to have your business planning in order okay this is for any business like you can't just i have some people that email me and say okay I, this is what i want to do i want to get into this business i say okay send me your business plan i don't have a business plan you need a business plan to start a business period right. i'm a big believer in business plan than business planning that's why we did the whole entrepreneurial incubator yeah but even still when you're getting into the cannabis market you need to have a business plan just to get licensed oh wow okay um and you need to have operating plans like this is you and and part of this in my opinion is a way to keep us out of the system Mm -hmm. but then another part of me says no this is what we should be doing anyway this is this is what we need to be doing to run a business whether you're touching cannabis or not Mm -hmm. so the first thing I would say is get your business plan right get and not only that but it's like I'm a firm believer in manifestation yeah Right. You got to have you got to have your map to know where you're going. That's what a business plan is, period. But particularly when you're talking about this industry that's still highly regulated, you you can't just go at it willy nilly Mm -hmm. because it's expensive. You need to have your financials in order. What costs do you need? This is what I'm talking about. Business planning. Mm -hmm. You know, how much money do you need? You can't just go. You can't get a loan from a bank. Right, because Why? It, because it's federal. It's, it's federally illegal, illegal mm-hmm. and banks are federally insured. Mm-hmm. I even had a hard time opening up a bank account for Woke Canna, even though I'm not touching the plant, mm-hmm. right? Because it's got Canna in the name. Yeah. Some larger banks are starting to do it, but the smaller ones um, won't t- won't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So you need to have your your financials. You got to have everything in order, right? You can't just go asking for money, particularly in, like, let's say you're a business, you want to open a cannabis business, and you say, okay, I, want, I need an investment of $500,000, which is on the lower end, oh, okay, wow. which okay. is realistically the lower end of what it would take. Um, so, okay, I need $500,000, or maybe $100,000. let us even start, like, you know, um, 
I, this is how much money I need. I'm going to go and ask for this for, from investors. Well, any investor in any business is going to want to see your financials and your mm-hmm. plan. How are you scaling up? You know, this term of how are you going to build? Yeah. Right? They want to know that their investment is going to be, is going to, they're going to have a return on their investment, an ROI, a return on their investment. But particularly when you're talking about the cannabis space, it's still federally illegal, right? Mm-hmm. And although the administrations, even this, loosely termed administration, (laughs) I use that term very Mm -hmm. loosely, Mm -hmm. um, hasn't really messed with the states in this regard. But that being said is that they can, you know, depending, I mean, not, probably not, it's not, but they can. Um, And so investors want to know that, and they're willing to take the risk, Mm -hmm. but despite that risk, they still want to see like... uh, they, they want still to want to some, see that you have a plan. They, you need a plan. Yeah. You need a plan. Yeah. And you, I, I personally can't advise people on what they need to do to get mm-hmm. their business up and running mm-hmm. if they don't even know what they need to right. do to get their right. business up and running. Right. Um, and, and the legalities of it depend on what aspect of the industry you're trying to get into. Are you trying to be a delivery service? Okay. Are you trying to be a storefront? Are you trying to be a manufacturer? Meaning you take the plant, you make products out of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then sell it. Are you trying to um, be a grower, a commercial grower, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's another one I forgot. Um, but there's like all these different so sort of So depending on how, what you want to do in the industry, yes. there are different legal rules and rules regulations each concerning one. each. Yeah. Correct. So that's why you need to, you can't just go and get a business license like you would yeah. for, um, you know, for, for your for your skincare, your general skincare product business. You can't just go get a business license and start selling. Yeah. You can't do that because it's regulated, right? So... Um, what I tell people is like the very f- send me your business plan because if you don't have a business plan, you're not ready to hear what I got to say yet. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be telling you. Right. Um, a lot of people will message me like, "Okay, how do I get into the cannabis industry?" And that's like saying, "How do I fly an airplane?" Because mm, there's so many nuances. To like, it. what kind of airplane do you want to fly? Right. Right. What Where are you, you trying to do go when you get in the industry? Yeah. Do you want to do one of these right. things that we talked right. about? Um, you know. Or how do I get into the transportation industry? Like, right. are you going to fly a plane? Or are you going to fly a helicopter? Are you going to drive a car? Are you going to do a boat? Like, right. where? I mean, it's so broad. Mm-hmm. Um, so, get, do your business plan, right? Figure out what you want to do mm-hmm. because anytime you're all you're constantly, constantly going to have to communicate that clearly and concisely along every step of the process, starting with advice about how you get started, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, yeah, there's a lot of money in it, but you need to determine what, you know, you need to, you need to be concise about, mm-hmm. it's like your manifestation board. Yeah. I hear that all the time. I hear what I hear all the time is people go, oh, I want to get into cannabis because I hear there's a lot of money mm-hmm. and they have no clue as to what all of right. the different avenues and nuances yeah, are. What so, you going to do with cannabis? Right. Like so, they're not paying people to sit around and smoke it, right? Right. Like, right. Not and yet. you think having a dispensary is easy. It's not. Chalice or not even a, even a having a delivery. Right. But say I have my business plan together as woke canna. How do you provide support for those people that they have it together? Um, and even if they have a collective, which I think we do need to have yeah. some black cannabis collectives family. Um, and let me know if y'all want to start one. Cause yeah. I, I want to be a part yeah, of that. Yeah, good. I'll let you yeah. know because I'm trying to, yeah. you know, the, the shutdown has sort of thrown off all of my... Um, 
you know, sort of change the the pace of things, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the goals is to start this community cannabis collective yeah. and um, to support to support in this industry. So anyway, so somebody comes to me and they have their business plan. Mm-hmm. I'll go through it and you know, and again it's going back with that just that whole business incubation process. Yeah. yeah. It's still a business. Is it a viable plan? And I'm sort of a red pin person, mm-hmm. right? Like I will um, mark your stuff up. Mm-hmm. And say because, and I'm super critical. I'm not the kind of person, and I don't encourage people to seek out somebody that's going to give them sort of massage advice because we're of the community. Right. I'm going to look at it like if you're going to take this to a white investor or if you're going to take this to a licensing, what are they going to look at? I'm going to be straight up and say, like, you don't, you need to think about this. Mm -hmm. Your financials aren't complete so on and so forth. So going through the business plan and then depending on, so it's really like getting the business plan. Do you have a viable business even? Mm-hmm. Before we start talking about the licensing and the legal requirements, do you even have a viable business? Like if all else, you know, if nothing else existed as far yeah. as the bureaucracy, is this even a, like a viable business, yeah. right? The same way I would approach like if you were gonna have a business that's not regu- highly regulated. Like is this even viable? Do you have, um, do you have your stuff together? Okay. And then from that, okay. And a lot of times the financials, it's a little bit unknown because people don't realize the cost to get in it. Mm-hmm. But like, look at your costs, your your identifiable costs. And then we'll go through and say, okay, here's like where are you at location-wise, jurisdiction-wise, what are you trying to do? What kind of business? And then what are the legal requirements that you need and what's the monetary, like what's the financial requirement to do so? Mm-hmm. And then like start matching that up with your financials. Okay. The first thing that you really need to do is start like raising money mm-hmm. and going through that licensing process because you can't start your business until you're, you can't start your regulated business. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> right. Let me be clear. Um, and I can't advise people on how to start an unregulated business. Right. But we've been doing it for decades. Yeah, yeah. So do what Y'all you do. Y'all know what to do. Y'all know what to do. <laughs> so anyway, um, but uh, so that's where we would start. Uh-huh. Okay. And then, you know, because the last thing that you want is your business to get shut down mm-hmm. because you haven't followed the rules. Yeah. And I'm not, interestingly enough, being an attorney, I don't like rules. But I like to understand the rules, you know, um, to understand how they can benefit us. It's like the Constitution, yeah. you know. I have part of the Constitution tattooed on my arm, mm-hmm. and I get a lot of, like, the Constitution wasn't built for us. Well, no, none of this was. Mm-hmm. But you use it to benefit right. you, right? right? So that's what we need to be doing. Understand so that you don't get all your stuff taken away because you haven't gotten proper licensing or your license expired and then mm-hmm. you've spent all your your cap all your hard work all of your relationship capital you know all of your financial capital mm-hmm. all of your esteem you know all of your steam to do this yeah and you didn't jump through one hoop and it gets shut down yeah yeah so in this regard i'm very much a buy a book like if you're going to start you got to do it by the book mm-hmm. because they're going to be looking at you yeah and you don't have, we don't necessarily have the community capital to clean stuff up. Like a lot of cannabis businesses, they'll get into trouble here or there mm-hmm. and they just can fix it, throw a lot of money into they'll it, get a fix fine it. Or whatever they get a fine, pay it, and they're yeah. like, okay, keep it moving. Yeah. Like fix it and keep it moving. But those fines can be hefty yeah. depending on what the violation is. It can shut you down, right? Like even larger businesses are going to shut down because mm-hmm. they're not following the rules. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't want this to be the next 
you know, um, way that that we're penalized right that we're kept out of the industry that's right right out of this industry so that's what i would suggest to people um you know think about be as detailed as possible Mm -hmm. right go down every avenue of possibility and every aspect of your business down to how you're going to even like if you have an on-site facility, you know, again, your security system, right? Like, mm-hmm. so for example, if you have an on-site, um, like even for delivery, like yeah. if you're doing something on-site, you've got to have a security plan. Mm-hmm. Who's your security company? Yeah. Right? These are things that licensing is going to want to know. Who's your security company? What exactly are they going to do? So you need to start making those connections. It's a lot of footwork to do, but that's how you do it if you're going to follow the rules. So that's what I tell people, um, just to even start. Yeah. You know. And if you think that uh, a company that is not black is going to allow you just to invest in their business, think again, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I know, again, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I want to invest in a dispensary, blah, blah, blah. I'm pretty convinced. I mean, I may be, I don't think I'm radical in this. I'm pretty convinced that the mainstream white cannabis community mm-hmm whether consciously or unconsciously, is strategically trying to keep us out of this business. Yeah. Um, And, yeah. And so we need to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. I went into it naively thinking that, sort of like we were joking around, I became a vegan recently. Uh Um, That's a whole different (laughs) story, but... um, I was surprised at the racism involved in an industry. Like, because everybody that I know that's that's in cannabis, like growing up, you know, the people that grow it and stuff, they're mm-hmm. all basically like, hey, it was California, right? Yeah, right. But when you're talking about the business, you start talking about money being involved, mm-hmm. it's racist is, is all get out. Yeah. I can it's, yeah, because it's, it's a place where money can be made. That's right. And when we get money we collectively can have power. That's which right. Money don't is want power. Yeah. And this is why I work with women in the entrepreneurial aspect of empowerment mm-hmm. because money is power. Mm-hmm. Money, economic empowerment leads to political empowerment, leads to social empowerment. It's all connected. But you have economic empowerment. Mm-hmm. This is the, the nature of our capitalistic country. Yeah. Money is power. Be it right, be it wrong, we can have that discussion. Um, all we want, that's how it is. Mm -hmm. So if you want to have a say in how things are done, you need economic power, right? You need economic empowerment. You need to be economically empowered. And there is a concerted, conscious or unconscious effort to keep us out of this, Mm -hmm. Um, keep us out of this industry. And it's, it's, it has been my experience that it's racist as all get out and sexist as all get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's why we, we need to really have our stuff together, not only as a business, as a single business, but as a community, we need to be there to support these businesses and catch them if they fall, Yeah, support them when they need it, mm-hmm. put our money there, and I like the, I, I'm really into growing because stop giving your money to these dispensaries. Yeah. There are no black owned dispensaries in Sacramento. Not yet. Mm-hmm. Right? So stop giving your money to these dispensaries that aren't benefiting us and our communities. Right, right. That's why I started growing because it's, you know, purchasing marijuana is expensive in a dispensary mm-hmm. because 
all of the licensing and regulations right. and packaging. Right, their overhead is their is overhead, mm-hmm. right, is expensive. Growing it is so much. You're, you're legally allowed to grow six plants, six mature plants indoors in the state of California. So I'm going to stop you right there for a second. That's the perfect segue into your workshop yeah. that's happening on July 14th. It is called Introduction to Indoor Cannabis Growing. Yes. Go. Yes. Okay, go. <laughs> so I became a grower, just to back up, I became a grower because I love to garden. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wanted to herbally infuse cannabis into like... Um, Are you talking about your skincare My line, skincare, like for skincare and... teas. So to, just to kind of go back, my mother did let me make her some cannabis tea because uh-huh. I had made like a sleep tea uh-huh. um, and I added some cannabis into it. So she like let me, like she, she, she'll take that. Uh-huh. She's got some THC in it, uh-huh. which is good. Um, so, but I wanted, but it takes sort of high quantities and I was like, this is expensive to yeah. keep buying it. Yeah. And I love to garden. I had an extra room in my house that I was just throwing like stuff that I didn't want to deal with in. Mm-hmm. Clean that room out. And I said like, let me try this. Why not? Let okay. me give it a try. Okay. And I started growing, and I, first of all, it was really fun. The science of the plant is fascinating. I'm one of these people, I have like a a, a jeweler's, um, what do they call it? Like a jeweler's. Oh, the jeweler's. Be- uh, what do they call it? Uh, Bevel or something? I don't know. Yeah. Little, mic- little magnifying glass where I look at the trichomes on the flower. It's beautiful. Wow. Like it's artwork beautiful. If you look at the plant close up, mm-hmm. it's stunning. It's gorgeous. Wow. It's like the stuff of art. And so I really enjoyed growing. I was like, oh, this is great. This is great. Like I said, I have my mom coming over uh-huh. and water it because she'll water a plant. Like, uh-huh. she's like a gardener. Like, <laughs> you know, if you like to garden, it's hard to be like, no, I'm not going to water that right, pot right. plant. It's like it's still a plant, you know? <laughs> right. Like, I still love it's still gre- It's still green and it's growing. Right. But then I started to get the yields. Girl, I'm still working off the weed that I harvested a year ago. Oh like, my I will show pictures of like these big um, quart jars. I think from the six plants that I grew my very first time, mm-hmm. I produced. Wait, quart? What is this size? Do you know what uh, this? Is? That's. I don't know. Girl. That? You can't see. You guys can't. Like, see. like the big. <laughs> what's the big mason jars? I didn't weigh it just because I was sort of like so stunned. I was so shocked at myself. Yeah. So I this is the harvest from last year? Yes. My wow. first harvest. I'm still smoking my first harvest. And I've had, wow. I've had, uh, I'm on my third one now. I took a little break because uh. I was like, I got a lot of weed. Yeah. I'm yeah. like giving away. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have a lot of have weed. people hitting you up on social media. Hey, try, trying to be your I friend. I was giving away. <laughs> people would come over and be like, hey, take this with you. So now if with your initial grow. Did you start with six plants? I did. Oh, wow. I started, okay, so with my initial grow, I really wanted to understand the science of it. So mm-hmm. I start. I bought seeds that were non-gender specified, and we'll okay. talk about this yeah. in the grow class, because you want femi- You want the female plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was something about this that resonated with me, that like the male plants, unless you're like trying to genetically create your own strain, mm-hmm. They don't have a, not that I don't, I love men, but mm-hmm. like they don't have a purpose in right, it. You right. can't, they don't produce the flower, which yeah. is what the consumable part is. Yeah. So it's a very female based. <laughs> right, right. It's a female based world. <laughs> it's a female, the, the world of the beneficial properties, the most beneficial properties of marijuana are in the female flowering plant that has been unfertilized. 
so that hasn't had contact with the male. That's what produces the best flower, okay. the biggest, because if you, if the female plant, and we'll talk about this, if the female plant is fertilized by a male plant, you're gonna get seeds in your stuff, and seeds are fine, mm-hmm. but um, but it also the energy is not, the female is, is, it's sort of like, you know, when you have a baby, most of that energy mm-hmm. goes to the seed and not the flower, like where all of the the, t- the cannabinoids are mostly. Yeah. So anyway, so I started my six plants. I produced like two big, um, I, I almost want to say quart mm-hmm. jar, like those big ones, whatever. It was about, let's see, what are those jars? I think like the ter- 30, anyway, I had a lot of weed. Mm-hmm. I just finished like finished it off and and I was surprised at how like if I was to go to dispensary and buy that much marijuana Mm -hmm. it would be thousands and thousands and that like I can't even you know you pay for you know a couple like a you know a little bit is like 30 40 bucks on the low Mm -hmm. end Mm -hmm. um I had a lot of it was just so economical Right, like yeah. the initial investment, like I had to invest in the equipment, but that's your one-time investment. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was just very, it was much more economical mm-hmm. to grow. It's much more enjoyable. There's mm-hmm. something very satisfying about getting the benefits and advantages of something that you created and grew yourself. It's just like having a vegetable garden. That's right. Your and tomatoes you go taste out better. And you, yeah, yeah. You go out and get your own. You have the benefit of yeah. getting your own hand-grown That's produce. Right. You know there's not a bunch of pesticides right. and stuff in it. And it saves you money. It saves you a yeah. huge ton. For me, that was the biggest thing. Yeah. Is that it... And, and until there's a black-owned dispensary mm-hmm. in Sacramento, I'm not going to do a dispensary and giving them my money. Yeah. Um, I actually just found some weed that I got at the dispensary before my before my own. It was like over a year was getting all dry, so I'm mm-hmm. kind of smoking that up now because yeah. because I got to do something with it. But I haven't been to a dispensary in over a year. And so that's the other thing I was going to ask was, did you notice a difference between what you had grown yourself versus what you had previously had at a dispensary? So there's always going to be a difference, and and everybody's stuff is that you grow at home is going to be different because yeah. when you're talking about commercial grown mm-hmm. you're talking about large spaces okay there's even some outdoor like in Humboldt count like you may get your weed from Humboldt mm-hmm. and at any time you grow outdoors you're gonna have larger yields mm-hmm. right but the thing about and so um, so you're when you're growing indoors you're recreating a natural environment um, and so there's always like there's some great for me mine is strong enough like it's it's yeah. pretty strong mm-hmm. um, but sometimes, like, you know, there it just depends. I've grown, like I had my first grow was from seeds where I was able to identify the male and female. Mm-hmm. My second grow, I made clones of those. Okay. And even within the first generation and the second generation, there was an appearance difference because mm. of the environment in which it was grown in. My first grow, I harvested, I kind of like overlapped them, but the very first one I harvested at the peak of heat last summer. Okay. And um, if you know anything about growing, like when your plants flower, that's traditionally when the weather starts getting cooler. So like in the in the outdoor grows, mm-hmm. they want to start harvesting mm-hmm. around, you know, August, September when the weather starts getting cooler because that's when the plant like naturally starts to like it's at that phase the flowering yeah. phase of right. its life. Right. So um, 
so when I harvested the first ones, it was supposed to be like the cool down period. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, you have to face the challenges about keeping your environment inside cool enough when it's 110 degrees outside. Right. And so and so that but that added to the personality of it. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was one plant that I was I accidentally broke a branch on mm-hmm. um, because I was like trying to reach through. I wasn't paying yeah. attention. I was just I'm clumsy. Mm-hmm. And I broke a branch and I propped it up and it grew itself healed. And that flower was more abundant and more sh- and stronger. Oh, wow. So it depends on the circumstances of the whole grow. Mm-hmm. I say all that to say, though, my stuff is, is like it's strong enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like the first generation, the second generation after curing, it smelled different because mm. it just grew in a different yeah. environment. I'm a big believer in like the energy. Mm-hmm. So like one one generation, I had some um ambient music streaming in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have my little amethyst crystal uh-huh. like why not you know yeah and it just grew differently yeah I was in a different I was in a gen- different energetic space in my life mm-hmm. I had a different intention when I was attending to them mm-hmm. so they just like appearance wise they even looked different they smelled different they smoked differently mm-hmm. both are still good but they're unique it's like your children yeah yeah you know and mm-hmm. the environment in which they're raised mm-hmm. everybody's going to be a little bit different so someone listening right now and so legally you can have up to grow up to six plants on indoors your, indoors yeah someone listening right now what can they expect when they go to and they attend your workshop okay. next week so the workshop's online so um uh it's through zoom so you don't have to you can sit uh, in the privacy of your own home and learn. But what we're going to go through is the basics, okay? So there's a lot of science behind growing and and you can really get into like, you know, nutrients and like, you know, mm-hmm. this and that. We're going to go to the basics. How do you get started? You get some seed. How do you grow your first harvest with the basics? And okay. then from there, you know, we'll have another seminar at some point talking about more specifics. But what people are going to be able to do after this session is learn how to get set up in an mm-hmm. economical fashion. Okay. What you need as far as lighting, nutrients, um, space, what it's going to smell like. Okay. Like, I'm not going to lie. My, when it's flower time, my house smells like marijuana. Mm-hmm. Not burnt marijuana. Because mm-hmm. there's a difference. Oh, okay. It smells like a marijuana plant. I like it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, you know. I don't think we really know what it smells like. Most people don't. Yeah. And so when people come to my house, they're not really sure. Like, it's not prevalent. Yeah. But there's, you know, there's a, when it's time to, when it's almost time to harvest, like, they are fully mm-hmm. doing their thing in mm-hmm. all their glory. And it's like, is that what kind of incense? I've had people, what kind of incense are you burning? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, that's that green incense. Because we don't know the, the, the unburnt marijuana right. smell. That's right. Unburnt marijuana smell is totally different than burnt up marijuana smell. Uh-huh. So, so anyway, we'll we'll start with and how to filter, you know, how to filter some of that out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what kind of soil do you need? What kind of nutrients do you need? Mm-hmm. Right? How do you simulate the outside environment because you're growing indoors? Mm-hmm. What's the lighting schedule? How do you germinate your seeds? So basically, the goal is to get people. You get you some seeds. Mm-hmm. I don't provide seeds because I'm not a um, retail seller. Yeah. But uh, I can show you, you know, how, kind of where to get your seeds. Start with your seeds. How do you germinate it? Mm-hmm. How do you uh, get it through, like, you know, the germination stage, the vegetation stage? If you have 
um, unfeminized seeds. How do you determine which one's male and which one's female mm. so that you can get rid of the males quickly? What's the lighting situation? What kind of lights do you need? And, you know, talking about like the minimal investment and sort of the higher end equipment that you can start to get. Yeah. Um, so the goal is for people to enter into the, leave the space ready to set up their first grow from which they can build their expertise on with harvestable results. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty promising. I like that. Would you ever grow outside? Um, I would. Okay. I love the outdoors. Mm-hmm. But the thing, I don't know. May, I paused because the thing I like about indoor growing is that you can grow year-round. Mm. The thing about mm. outdoor growing is yeah. that you so are... It's and very seasonal. It's very seasonal. And you can't grow outdoors here in Sacramento because it's too darn hot. Yeah. Okay. We don't get so that's why all your outdoor grows are mostly like up uh, in higher elevations, mm-hmm. um, because it's too hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do it here, but like commercially, yeah, it's too it's it's really hot. So what's going to happen is that when your um, like I've had I've you know I've seen people like they started to grow and then like the weather will start to um, cool down. Mm-hmm. And then their plant will go into flower starting, like that's the second phase. That's because mm-hmm. the flower is what you want. It'll start to get to that sort of mature phase before yeah. it phases out, you know, for the winter. Mm-hmm. It'll get cooler in Sacramento and it'll start to go into flower. And then all of a sudden it'll be like 110 and their plant will go back to, to mm. vegeta- revegetation, become a hermaphrodite. Like all sorts of problems yeah. are, are created. Um, so I like the indoor growing because it's it's definitely easier to reg- regulate. Less issues with bugs, no issues with bugs, in fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With, you know, pests, predators, right? Like predators coming in, people predators and critter predators. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like I, I pause like I might grow one plant outdoors. I wouldn't want to have a whole outdoor yeah. operation because I like to be able to grow year round mm-hmm. and be able to regulate the um, environment mm-hmm. and do away with a lot of the issues that you, that come with growing outdoors. Yeah, yeah the yields are going to be smaller, but in the long run they're greater because I can I can grow year round. Usually I'll have some plants in flower, some plants in vegetation, and some plants in germination. Like so, I, you kind of. Stagger your, I stagger your it. Planning. I stagger it. I have three tents and a germination stage. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, just as I've gotten into it, so I've always got like something rotating, mm-hmm. um, and and you can do that with the indoor grow. You can regulate like what's what. You know, you can just uh, produce more because you can mm. do more all throughout the year. So, uh, two questions that come to mind as I hear you talk. One of them is, can you do you have to have like you have a room? Do you if, what if you don't have a lot of space? Do you have to have a lot of space nope. in order to do this? All you need is a, all you need is a, a space where you can regulate the light. So what I'm looking into now is like actually like a lot of people grow in closets. Like some of my oh. old school, like you can grow in a closet. Okay. A space in the closet. Um I'm looking at some things that I've seen where you can just grow like you, you know make your own grow tent, mm-hmm. your own grow bucket where you okay. put a little light in it. Okay. So like really minimalist, minimal investment, minimal space requirement. I have a room just because I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but each element is confined to a tent. So you can get like a, you know, a small minimal investment of a tent. Like you can build a tent. I think the tents are cheap enough on Amazon now where you can just, you know, even get like a smaller tent mm-hmm. um, for like the same price that you can build it with, with, and that's, you know, you don't have to cre- recreate the wheel, mm-hmm. get you some lights. And my smallest tent is like, I think it's like 
a two by four or something. Anyway, okay. like it's small. Yeah. So you don't need a lot of space and you don't okay. need a whole room. You just need an area where you can have a light and regulate the light because your light is imitating the sun. Mm-hmm. Right. And you want to be able to regulate the light or regulate the temperature. Okay. And then what about watering? Because sometimes, you know, and I'm just going off of, pardon my my ignorance in this area, but like, you know, sometimes you would see like people that would buy these houses and they yeah. would turn them into grow houses yeah. and you would see like pipes or, or like some Girl, kind of... Girl, me and my watery can. It's me and my, You know what it is? So you, you don't need have, no whole no. water filtration Heck and all no. that? Okay. I don't even... I mean, you can have that, but yeah. why? Yeah. Literally, my I water using an old... Uh, a uh, gallon c- carton. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. Because here's the thing, when you're doing your nutrients, and we'll mm-hmm. talk about nutrients, it's like you want to add your nutrients to the gallon, like it's they're like parts per gallon. Okay. So I have those old plastic water jugs mm-hmm. that I would get, and I would sometimes, you know, and um, the water I live is really good, so I don't like use filtered water. Mm-hmm. Um, but I use that because I fill it up, and like, there's my gallon. I add yeah. my nutrients. So I have four gallon, I have four empty gallon containers. I have two vegetation where I actually write on the carton. Because they need different nutrients in different Correct. stages. That's okay. right. Yes. The veg- your vegetation stage, you need, you need, you want in your vegetation, that's sort of the adolescent stage. You want a lot of green leaves, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. branches. And, and we'll talk about ways to get them nice and green and juicy and luscious. Mm-hmm. And then when they go in the flower stage, you change the nutrients because then you want all the energy pushed into the flower. That's when it starts developing the flower. That's what you smoke cure you know it's to yeah. cure and smoke or mm-hmm. that's the consumable part where most of the um the the tri- where the trichomes are so it has different it's sort of like kids again it's like people depending mm-hmm. on what stage of your life you're in you have different nutritional requirements mm-hmm. same thing with a plant um so but i water i literally use like i don't even use a cute little watering can i mean you'll see some pictures on my thing where i have a watering yeah. can it's got our little cute little stickers yeah. man i don't be messing up my cute stuff with that <laughs> with the, these nutrients i use a um you know what I'm talking like a, about? Like a milk jug. Or I use a milk like jug. <laughs> I got some 80 something cent water from Walmart. Uh-huh. And those little jugs. That's what I use. And I hand water them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like, it's overkill to have, like, we're not talking commercial. Mm-hmm. And I think hand watering for me um, is like you're connecting with the plant because then you can really inspect each plant, mm-hmm. see how they're doing work with the soil it's not you're not talking about a mass commercial operation yeah. you're yeah. having an intimate connection with your plants mm-hmm. so i hand water each one mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um have a little chat with each one how yeah. are you doing yeah. some people name their plants yeah. just in general you know name your plants in general um i have over 100 plants like 100 plants in my house like not marijuana plants yeah. but plants in general so uh-huh. i don't name mine because you know i could barely remember track. people's names <laughs> but um but it's an intimate experience. Like, and if you think about it, like you're creating your own medicine. Mm-hmm. You want to have that spiritual connection with it, mm-hmm. right? The energy that you're putting out, the plant is absorbing, and that's what's gonna, you know, it's gonna output for you when you're trying to heal yourself. And yeah. I use it for healing. I also use it because I like to be chilling. Yeah, right. Right, like right. you know, um, when I got my prescription, you know, I'd had. Uh, I live with issues of anxiety, had mm-hmm. panic attacks since law school, mm-hmm. depression, clinical depression, mm-hmm. insomnia. So like this is a he- stress. Yeah. And so like the consumption of it has made me more functional. Mm-hmm. It's made me a better parent, better mother. 
And so I want to make sure that I am putting the same intention into the plant that I want to get out of it. it, So I hand water everything. I hand clip. I hand trim. I have my little magnifying glass. I'm looking at, you know, very Mm -hmm. detailed. And that's, in my opinion, that's how you want to approach it. Because you're not just growing it to grow. You're growing it to heal. Right. Right. Even if that means you're just sitting on a Saturday smoking yeah you are healing your soul right you are healing your soul there's all parts of healing within that and the stuff that we as black people have to go through right you're gonna outside that you need to just if you just sit and smoking all day you are Mm -hmm. and healing your soul and that's a part of self-care yeah um so you don't need that expensive watering and i don't even recommend it for like a residential yeah because man that you know you bust a pipe in one of those things and you flooded your house yeah like it's too much it's overkill so i hear you talking about the tent and all of this stuff is it really once you get your plant planted because i am telling you first of all my thumbs are black on both sides i tell everybody (laughs) Um, (laughs) so plants in my in my house don't survive very well but but i heard you talk about the energy so now it made me rethink this one plan i have but yeah is there is there a does it take a lot of work to really maintain your plant it sounds like it's pretty simple but i just want to make sure it takes a lot of intentionality okay let me put it that way i put a lot it you get out of it what you put into it okay so I put a lot of work into it. And I will say that like my my third heart, my third crop, I was tired of growing and I didn't, and I sort of approached it sort of like, oh, I got to do this again. Like I yeah. got to water these Yeah, things. okay. And I wound up having to destroy half the plants because they just weren't thriving and growing. Mm-hmm. They were showing signs of disease. They were reflecting back the to energy. me my crappy attitude Mm -hmm. um and so it's really what you it's a hundred percent what you put into it it is a hundred percent so and i'll tell you this before um i grew started growing marijuana Mm -hmm. i could grow out like tomatoes and stuff outdoors i was kind of lazy because it gets hot in sacramento and i don't be going out there doing stuff but my house plant situation was like it was it was stuff was die i was like my house plants Mm -hmm. die and things um but then when I was growing my marijuana, I really understood, like, I'm growing this medicine. I put more intentionality into it. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize, like, these plants aren't dying because I have a, a black thumb. These plants are dying because I have a black attitude, of like a bad yeah, attitude, yeah. a dismal yeah. darkness about, like, oh, these plants ain't doing right, right you know? Right, right, When it's me that's not doing right. Mm-hmm. So now I have almost 100 mm, house plants good. in my house. That's good. And it just the, it changes the energy. So, like, if you're going to, I would say if you're not sure, start with one plant. I kind of went big and started with six plants, uh-huh. not knowing what I was doing. Uh-huh. But you're and an I, overachiever. I, but I learned really quickly and yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh-huh. You know, I also burnt out in that third crop. I had to toss out because it was it was not good, but mm-hmm. um, or half of it because my intention was not there. Um, so I would say it's different. It's different. I would start with like you can start your your your. Uh, your experience of growing plants indoors mm-hmm. with a marijuana plant because it'll teach you how to focus your energy so that when you're growing other stuff, like plants are plants, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And um, so now my plant situation is totally different because my attitude is different. Mm, that's good. Like, for example, last night, came home, it's been a long week. I came home, 
smoke some blue dream and i spent th- like three hours because it took me a while because i was to smoke some blue dream uh-huh. but i spent three hours watering all my house plants mm. trimming them mm-hmm. making sure you know just spending time with them yeah um so if you think that you can't you know reassess that it's not the plant it's a weed Right. That's why they call it weed. Right, right. It's a weed, and we're trying to sort of like cultivate it to our own needs and specificities. Mm-hmm. But it's a weed, right? It's a weed, and it grows in the wild. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's not what you know we're we, what we're used to consuming. But mm-hmm. you can grow it. Yeah, I'll bring you a clone. Okay. You want to grow one? Yeah. Yeah. I have I some clones. Okay. I'll talk to you after. I'll, I'll show you. Uh, we'll find okay. out if you want a sativa or I'm indica. Gonna, um, indica. Okay. I already know. Okay. I already know okay. what I need. So, all right. <laughs> well, very cool. I like it. Let's tell everybody again about the workshop because, family, if you're interested. And again, and you know, the other thing I was thinking was, oh, you got to have six, but you don't. No, you just can start, start with, with one. one. Listen, I would say this even. If you're new to it, don't start with six. Yeah. Family, listen. Yeah. Is to I well, I started with six, but we were talking like I'm I'm somebody that I jump off a cliff and figure out what to do in the uh, air. Uh-huh. And if and sometimes I splat, sometimes I land on something, yeah. sometimes and sometimes it works out. Um, but if I had to do it all over again, I would not start with six. But I was like, I'm gonna do this. It's like we were talking about my van conversion. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm just going to do this and like figure it out as I go along. Right. Um, I would say that most people probably don't have that kind of patience, mm-hmm. nor should you. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> nor should you. Um, because you want to start with one plant and learn how to take care of that one plant so that you can learn how to. It's like when you have kids, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the first one is always like a learning process. Right. right. And then by the time you get to and the next one, And then when you one, get to you six, you're like, look, let's right. just, you know, right. do the, here's your routine and here's your pattern. But you need to understand it. So yeah. I would say start with one. Okay. Start in a small space. Start minimal. Mm-hmm. And then build from there. So that's what the class is going to be talking about. How do you start minimally? Okay. Minimally with re, with results, with the results that you can benefit from. Mm-hmm. So we're not just growing to figure out how to grow. We're growing right. to get some weed to smoke or right. consume right. or put in your edibles or put in your stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're growing for the end product. But like learn how to learn about it. Yeah. Um, and you'll enjoy it more if you start with just one, maybe mm-hmm. two even plants. Mm-hmm. I would say no more than two. You'll enjoy it more. It'll be less stressful. Yeah. You will have more fun um, just because you're not like for me, it was like even now six plants is a lot mm-hmm. to try to like just even space wise. Yeah. You know, and. Um, like I broke a, I broke one branch on one a few grows back because I was trying to reach through mm-hmm. five other plants to get to something and you know snapped it. It's just very cumbersome. Yeah. So yeah. I would start with two. Start low. Start minimal. Mm-hmm. Start with a minimal investment. I would say not including the seeds, but equipment wise, set a budget of like a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars, mm-hmm. even if that right. Like you can use, you can get. Um, you can purchase things or you can make things. You mm-hmm. can get like expensive grow lights. Not expensive, but like you can get grow lights and you can get them from, you know, a, a minimal investment up to a high-end investment. I would say start with the minimal investment, mm-hmm. the, the minimal that you can, you know, or the, whether the maximum that you can afford. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not the maximum that's out there. Yeah, yeah. And then you build from there, right? Like I started with one tent 
six plant and then and then you just grow from there okay yeah right, miss tiffany so family if you want to learn it's introduction to indoor cannabis growing it's happening online tuesday july 14th what time is it 6 to 8 p.m pacific standard time okay tickets are only 10 bucks okay um and you can sign up where you can sign up if you go to the woke canna website that's w-o-c-c-a-n-n-a dot com woke canna go to the mm-hmm. events Click on it's the only event up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, click on that. It's ten dollars. I'll probably need to shut down registration at some point because we're doing it via Zoom. Okay. Um, there's a max of uh, five hundred on Zoom. Okay. So I think we're about at three hundred now. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Those folks out there want. No, to I'm learn. sorry. We're like at three three fifty now. Wow. So that's awesome. Um, um, but some of those, I some of those I offered to. Um, a certain black community free of charge first mm-hmm. before I even put it up. Uh-huh. So, so that's what that's what uh, two hundred of those are. So, but anyway, it, it'll yeah. Eventually, it's only ten bucks. Like, and you can do it from your home. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, just come and join the conversation. Right. At least learn. Learn, you know. You know and um, I'll I'll have um, packets that are sent out that talk about you know what you know that will kind of walk you through everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. different parts of the plant we're gonna so really we're talking about like it's almost like a horticulture yeah. seminar as well uh-huh so that's this tuesday uh next tuesday july 14th so not this tuesday is that next tuesday? next tuesday i don't even know what this tuesday is like the seventh or eighth so it's already yeah. the next this, okay the next week july yeah. 14th 6 to 8 p.m you can go to wokecanna.com it's w-o-c C-A-N-N-A dot com. Go to events and you can sign up for the class. It is on Zoom, so you'll be in the comfort of your own home. And if you're embarrassed, you don't have to turn your camera on. Yep, and it's um, just to, some people ask me, is it going to be recorded? Because yeah. sometimes people know it's a the comfort. It will not be recorded. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you why. It's, we're not. I'm not re- having it recorded because some people are in states where it is still criminalized. Mm. And so just, you know, as an attorney, sure. I don't want anybody like having to justify why. So it's not going to be recorded. Yeah. Um, there's no evidence that you are at the seminar right. other than your little packet that you get right, <laughs> emailed right. to you. Right. Um, so that being said, it's not going to be recorded. Yeah. I'll have the events again. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you can get in on this one and you're mentally ready to start thinking about that journey, mm-hmm. it's a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um if not, they'll be they'll we'll have it again, but it won't be recorded. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, I know pre-COVID you were doing some workshops yeah. here locally yes. as well. So I'm sure once everything gets back to whatever yes. our new normal looks like, that yeah, that was a lot of fun. The last one we had was in February. Mm-hmm. Um, that at, had a great turnout too. Yeah, yeah. the brick house, um, and that was on ancillary businesses. Oh, okay. This is before we knew what was coming. Uh huh. Um, but you know, talking about the ancillary businesses that we had talked about, we had people from the different industries. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we we have part of part of what Canna's you know mission is to really like do networking connection, and so we're now we're trying to find different ways in this um, you know. Uh, COVID environment to mm-hmm. social, you know, be socially appropriately socially distanced or mm-hmm. or physically distanced and yeah. physically safe while still doing that networking and community building. Yeah, yeah, and then fam again, if you're in the local Sacramento area, uh, and keep keep your cannabis money in the community That's right. with uh, Crystal Nugs, uh, CrystalNugs.com. That is Black female yes. owned. Yes. Um, and they are not a brick and mortar dispensary, but they are a delivery. They're delivery. Yeah. And they have um, they have many um, products that they yeah. source, particularly from black 
you know, black, yeah, black other black producers. companies. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and she's got some amazing products. She's an amazing human being. Yeah. Um, and I, I saw an interview with her, and she was talking about she was going to be creating some products under her own. Yes, Bati. Yeah. Yes. So I actually let me tell you, Sister Frank gave me one of her joint, like from her line. Uh-huh. She gave me a, a joint because, uh-huh. um, and I tried it, and I was like, so my I'm not a usually a sativa uh-huh. um, smoker because you can see how I'm I am. Uh-huh. I need something to bring me down, not lift me up. <laughs> but this stuff was so good. I was like writing poetry. Oh wow! I messaged wow. her like, girl, this thing has me writing poetry right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a poetry writer. Yeah, Bati. Uh, yeah, yeah, Bati pre-rolls. Okay, oh, so right. I think they may be on, you may be able to order them, get them delivered to your home. Yes. So you yes. don't have to um, they go are anywhere. They open today. Uh, just, just so y'all know, fam, they are open today. Shout out to Maisha yeah. Bati is her last name. I may have, but yeah. Bati, yeah. Bahati, yeah. Bahati, B-H-A-T-I. So, yes. So again, if you can so- support a black-owned cannabis business, again, in the local area, they're Sacramento's best delivery service. It's crystalnugs.com. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. If you want to find out how you can start your own indoor growing for personal use, I uh, want to make sure I put the caveat on that. For personal use, make sure you join the online introduction to indoor cannabis growing happening Tuesday, July 14th. It's happening on Zoom. You can get your tickets uh, and registration is required for each participant. Yes, so you correct. don't register and then be like, girl, let me send you the link. Please don't do that. Yeah. Every person that attends needs to register. You'll also be give, receiving some information. So that's important too. Um, but you can go to the Woke Canna website. It's W-O-C-C-A-N-N-A.com. Right. Go to events and you can get all the information. And um, thank you, Tiffany, thank for what you you're doing so for much. black women in the community. Thank Thank you so much. Yes, it's always a pleasure me. to have you. And you are welcome anytime. Thank you so much. Yes. I, I so appreciate what you're doing for the community and the voices that you're, you know, sharing and getting yeah. out there and um, yeah. on topics such as, as this and others. So thank you for what you're doing and yeah. thanks for having me back. Absolutely, family. We have got some great episodes coming up in July. Make sure you keep it right here. Next week, I will have the Black Women's Health and Wellness Ooh, Conference. they're amazing too. Yes, yes. yes. Chioko and Jessica. Oh my gosh. We'll do a short interview with them and then we'll have Jill Weston from The Breathing Space doing some work talking around about mindfulness because we really look at these black women that, right? doing stuff black for the community that's what i'm stuff. saying and that's what full circle is it's for you to you know hear and be exposed to all these different things and then i'm so excited i'm gonna have uh, ebony ava harper on oh on uh the 18th of july i am so excited to meet ebony and have a conversation about black trans women i'm super excited so it's gonna Your be whole july is fire july girl. is fire Ooh. We're going to spark it up in July. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> that one was for Sean. All those, <laughs> all, those, all those women are just some of my personal heroes. Yeah, yeah. Um, for what they're doing. And Chioko, uh, Chioko, I know she helped me out with the entrepreneurial incubator. Uh-huh. And the, you know, they've been doing that, the, the Black Women's Health Conference. Um, just some most, um, yeah. the, our community, our Sacramento community has the most amazing black women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for spotlighting them. Yeah. Autumn Masters will be here as well. She created the Black Queer Flag. I'm just excited. Oh, so. she's amazing too. Yes. Girl, you got everybody. Yes. So we've got some good folks coming on. <laughs> so make sure you keep it right here. Remember every Tuesday, the live episode. So our episode today will drop on Tuesday. Make sure you're following the show on social media. 
uh, Instagram and Facebook at Full Circle 975 and follow the show and subscribe to the show and make sure you turn on your notifications for when the episodes drop. Um, it is Miss Wanda's Full Circle Radio on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and all of the places where you find your podcast. Thank you so much for joining, family. That's how we're doing it, fam. Show love to everyone you meet, and I'll see you next week. Peace. This has been Full Circle. Follow our Facebook page at Full Circle 97.5.